This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into episode number nine of From the Braves Booth. It is great to have you all with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. And as we are recording this, the Braves just took the series from the Nationals. It is Sunday afternoon and Joe, 50 games left to be played. And man, we got ourselves a, a three-way race in the National League East, don't we? Yeah, it's going to be a sprint now. 50 games sprint to the end. Uh, everybody's pitching will be so important down the stretch and who stays healthy starting pitching is especially uh, as we are talking today. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, Zach Wheeler and how well he's pitching for the for the Phillies. Each team needs that bell cow they can go to you know, every fifth day and count on him, and Phillies certainly have one of those. And the Braves do too. The Braves have Charlie Morton, who's really pitched well uh, after his first five, six, seven starts. So everybody needs one of those. It's going to be fun to watch, and I think it'll come down to the last week. Yeah, I think it will too. And the Braves needed this win today, and things got really tight there in the ninth inning hard not to think about what you saw the night before oh yeah with a two nothing lead last night and then giving up the three runs in the top of the ninth inning couldn't get it done so happy you won the series but probably there's a side to you that says should have taken three of them from these guys but uh, still happy to take the series all together well you're happy but that was a horrible disappointment last night i i just i didn't even consider that that was about to happen i didn't even uh, i was already thinking ahead unfortunately to today right thinking you know okay what's going to happen today against corbin and for a guy who is three for 36 or something and uh not an everyday player to come up and hit that first pitch off will smith i mean a mile he crushed it give him credit i I was i was just stunned like everybody else like this can't be happening and uh, a real horribly disappointing loss i was still stunned on the way home last night I just I couldn't believe that it just happened. If you had told me that it was Bell or Zimmerman that hit it yeah. out, okay. Riley Adams, who never homered in his life in the big leagues, and he hits one out. But uh, I, I guess I, doing my best to try to take the positive out of it. If I look back and say, okay, over the last six games, you're telling me you're going to go five and one against the Cardinals and the Nationals. I said, sign me up all right. day. Yeah. And now let's see what happens uh, with, with the rest of this homestand. Reds come in, really good Reds team, and then you head off for a, a lengthy road trip against three teams with with losing records. So very important part of the schedule. Well, you can't look ahead of the. Uh, uh, to that road trip against those three teams because part of that road trip is Washington who just won a game here from the Braves. Um, but the Reds are a ball club that is playing well. I don't know what what they're doing as this is airing, but they had won four in a row. They were making kind of a little charge on the uh, wild card to try to get themselves in a position for that. The Braves are going to see Sonny Gray in the first game. He's always tough. He of the great change up and, and good stuff, generally speaking, uh, 
Uh, you see Victor Gutierrez at the end of that series, and he was mighty tough on the Braves the last time they saw him in Cincinnati. So um, it's going to be difficult. Um, it, it's a tough series, and you can't take anybody for granted the rest of the way. Yeah, Reds took two of three from the Braves in Cincinnati about a month and a half ago or so. And I know you and I left that series really impressed with that lineup that they yeah. run out. That's a really good lineup the Reds have. Very good lineup. And with that kid, India, at the top, uh, a rookie of the year candidate, uh, he's really put a charge in some of those veterans on that ball club too but when the Braves played them Winker and Castellanos were going crazy Votto was mm-hmm. a little a little cold at the time and now Votto's odds on MVP of the second half so far the way he's played you know we're just sitting here hanging out before he started recording and, and Hal Galima comes over does stats on the TV side brought up a really good point Reds are just two and a half games back of the Padres for the wild card and you and I were discussing this during the broadcast while the Braves have their sights on the division it'd be nice to at least have have the, the safety net of knowing you're hanging in there for the wild card just in case. So that makes this series pretty big for, from the wild card. I know you want to win the division. We all do. But it, it would be nice to take two of three or better so you can really position yourself in a good position for, for that as well. Well, there's, like we said, 50 games left. Uh, you're trying to run down now the Phillies. You, you got to win every night. Yeah. And if you just concentrate on winning, playing your best baseball, playing the game right, not making mistakes, not beating yourself, then that'll all take care of itself, and you can start climbing up the ladder in the wild card as well as in the division. But mm-hmm. it, it all boils down to, to to winning. I think what you just said registers pretty loudly with me uh, for, for the things we're going to discuss on this podcast. The thing that, that really is, is really resonating with me is 50 games left and how quickly that can fly by. 50 sounds like a lot, but that's not. No. I mean, you, you think of, you've got three road trips left. Next thing you know, you're going to be going into that final homestand of the season where it's the Phillies and the Mets coming in here for six, three each. You won't see those teams between now and then. So whatever you do in terms of making up ground has got to be done uh, against other teams. You won't see them head-to-head. Right. And, and that 50 is going to fly by, man. Well, especially when you've got so many games left out west. Yeah. You know, the travel come, becomes part of that. And the Braves still have a home-and-home with the Giants. They still have road games with the Dodgers and the Padres. That's going to be tough. They've got a home-and-home home with the Rockies. We were talking about the Rockies playing and their record at home that's going to be difficult Mm -hmm. so and and what is several games seven or eight games six or seven games with Arizona too so a lot of games out west and uh, travel can wear you out in September and that's when those games come along so like you said uh, to agree with you if you within 20 days you're going to get to September and say oh my gosh we're in September we've only got 28 games left uh-huh. rules change rosters expand i don't even know what the rules are anymore with terms of how many you can have eligible each night now but uh teams are going to be deeper that's going to make it even harder one place the braves will get deeper is behind the plate uh travis darno had a walk-off base hit for gwinnett today Good. to get a win in one of their games in their double header and i think we expect to see him possibly tuesday night versus the reds at well, least ho- here I, that would be, be huge for the so. team yeah i hope so i, I it's been a real uh, loss for for the Braves with Darno out. You can talk about Ozuna and trying to find some guys to fill in those spots. You're not going to replace Ronald Acuna Jr. and what he does for a ball club at the top of the order. But uh, Darno is the guy maybe we don't talk about enough and what the, his loss has meant to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just haven't been able to, to plug that hole, And in my opinion. So him coming back will be a, a valuable addition. I just hope he's 100% ready to go. Uh, man, you, you cannot put enough 
value on a catcher who can go out there and do the things that Travis can do. You have a, an everyday catcher in the big leagues, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're playing you know, just about every day. No catchers out there every single ball game, but Travis can get out there and he can go. And having a veteran guy behind the plate, it it might not get a whole lot of headlines, and maybe you don't make the highlight list for being out there every single day, but that goes such a long way, especially with some young pitchers. And looking back on the losses this season, of course, losing Acuna is huge, not having Soroka is huge. And I don't think Travis has gotten enough talk about what that impact has been like for this team. I think it's been a humongous loss for this team. And having him back for the final month and a half, two months, will be enormous. And I think that once he gets back in there, we'll see the difference pretty quickly of having him available. Yes. Because he impacts the game in so many ways. Yeah. And he's uh, he's a veteran. He's been back there. He knows what to do. He knows how to do it. He throws well. He throws well. Uh, he he never used to. He had an elbow problem. We didn't even know about when he was with the Mets. He had to have Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's been a very above average, good catch and throw guy. Uh, not to mention the fact that he won a Silver Slugger award last year uh, for his position offensively. Right. Uh, he batted cleanup for the Braves last year. Uh, virtually every game. It was a 60-game schedule, but once the the uh, lineup settled into a role, he was in the cleanup spot. Now, where will he hit in the lineup here at the beginning? It's anybody's guess. Austin Riley's done a real good job in that spot. But again, just think about how it deepens the lineup mm-hmm. already and, and moves it down toward the pitcher, uh, where today I was wondering if um, Max Fried might hit eighth. <laughs> right. He's been hitting so well. Yeah. He's hitting over 300. I mean, there was a, there was a stretch there where your, your lineup after about the five hole, I mean, it was, it was a free fall after yeah. that. It was when do, when do we get back to the top of the it, order? It, I mean, it was like bridging the Royal Gorge going yeah. from that spot. Now you got all this all this depth where you get to five, six, seven, eight. Now, especially once Travis gets back, throwing him in there with Jock and uh, whoever else you want to throw in there towards the bottom. And and I think we've seen the immediate impact in the form of two out runs. Because you go back to that St. Louis series and what we just saw versus Washington, I feel like they've gotten more two out hits to score runs in the last week than they had in the last six weeks combined. And, and, and that's just argue that to me that's just what the depth in your lineup does and you're going to get even deeper with travis coming back absolutely and so teams are not able to to get past uh, the number five spot and say okay uh, let me just get there i know i can go to a spot in the bottom half of the order and get some outs and get what i need to get out of this jam can't do that anymore yeah so we're, we're all very excited about that i feel like you dodged a bullet with freddie freeman came out of the ball game last night wasn't in the lineup today but uh finished the game uh at first base got an a b so that's good news and give him another day of rest tomorrow with the off day well what scared us to death i mean first of all you think about an injury that he came out of the game because you know freddie you got to drag him out of the lineup to not play and then we were worried about an injury and then if it is an injury to what severity is it and then they said it was a upper respiratory infection oh that was even worse Mm -hmm. because of covid i mean that was my immediate reaction and concern was that it had something to do with covid right and uh thank goodness it wasn't i mean he just had a he had a bad case of cold or flu from his kids or whatever it was but he was able to play again today so bullet dodge there yeah that was scary so glad he was back in there today uh i know we mentioned the schedule braves have the reds coming in 
and then that road trip to Washington, Miami, Baltimore. Phillies have an off day tomorrow on Monday the 9th, and they welcome in the Dodgers for three, then they welcome in the Reds for three, then they have a, have a road trip to Arizona and San Diego. That's not all that easy, so that's going to be interesting to see how they navigate through that. Meanwhile, the Mets, who are, are really starting to struggle right now, uh, they lost their ball. They were just swept by the Phillies in Philadelphia. They see the Nationals Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. Then they have the Dodgers come to New York for three. Then they head out west to see San Francisco and then to L.A., and then when they come home, they got the Giants waiting for them. This could be it for the Mets. When we were talking about their schedule the other day, uh, actually, all three teams' schedule it was there was a no it was a no doubter that the Mets have the rough, rough roughest schedule left this season among the three teams, mm-hmm. and mostly because of those games they have left out west, and they don't have any uh, a whole bunch of games left against some sub five hundred teams, and the way they're playing right now. What did they lose three out of four in Miami before getting swept by? It was at least two Phillies. out of three. It was at least two out of three. So they are really scuffling. The press is all over them in New York, of course. It was three out of four. Three out of four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they they uh, they've got the press all over them. Anytime you've been in first place this long, and now all of a sudden you're in a in a free fall, you start panicking a little bit. You start pressing some. So. They've got to have – they've got to get DeGrom back. Yeah. You know, I was talking about a bell cow. Every team's got to have that one guy, and they got to have him back. Now, when that's going to happen, who knows? You know, they're saying now it might be September. Mm-hmm. And if it's not till September, that'll be too late for New York. They just had a one-and-six road trip. They've won two games in their last ten. Uh, because before that Miami series, they dropped two of three against the Reds. So that that team is – they're in first place for three and a half months. Well, just guess what? They just dropped a third. Yeah. Man, how about that? And, uh, yeah, it's not going to get any easier for them. So they're Washington, L.A., San Francisco, L.A., San Francisco. And that gets them through to the 26th of August. And then they finish the month with the Nationals. And, um, and they still have the Yankees to go. They still have the Red Sox to go. They finish yeah. the season here. Tough schedule. I, I don't want to all just automatically – discount the team that's been in first place the entire season but if i'm placing odds on this thing with those three teams braves phillies and, and mets i got them at the, the mets towards the back of that yeah i know and i i don't know if they've gotten lindor back yet um I, they've missed him for a couple of weeks now because of what i think was an oblique is that mm-hmm. right and he hasn't played in a while and i don't know if he's back yet or not so they got to get him back they need Degrom back uh, they, and they need Conforto to hit like Conforto. He had come back from his injury, not doing what everybody expected. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, the the Mets are the Mets. They're going to get blasted for not signing certain people that they were supposed to sign in the mm-hmm. offseason. And um, that's, all, that's, a, that's all a bonus for Atlanta. You know, those kinds of pressures, that helps the Braves. Also... Um Javi Baez left today's ball game with an injury. Okay. How about that? It's, it's more another domino yeah. for the Mets. It's so interesting to me that we're going to be scoreboard watching like we always do, but you don't see these teams for weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, Typically, you get to this time of the year and say, well, you got to make the most of that series with the Phillies coming up September the 1st or with the Mets coming up in 10 days. And you don't see either one of those teams. Next time you see one of those teams that you're competing with is September the 28th. That's the worst part. You got to count on other people to help you out. Yeah, that's why I say you got it. You just got to win. Mm-hmm. The old Al Davis, you know, just win, baby. Mm-hmm. Every night, 
concentrate on tonight's game. Don't worry about the next day or the next day's pitcher. Win tonight. Keep moving on, and uh, things will take care of themselves. Oh. Obviously, you're not going to win every night, but win the games you're supposed to win. Go get series. When you take yeah. two out of three right. from everybody, you're right. in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. Braves just did that and uh, took two out of three from the Nationals and then swept the Cardinals right before that. So all things considered, as, as disappointing as Saturday night was, uh, it's a pretty good run there over that stretch. And we'll see what they have coming in with the Reds on Tuesday night. All right, so that's an update on where this ball club is and 50 games left in the season. Time now to take your emails and feel free to email us, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And maybe next week we'll be reading your question on our uh, email section. And we have a, a long list of really good questions again this go-round. I know Jay Casey will be joining us here in a moment to read some of these. But, you know, one thing that I really love about this, Joe, I love not just the questions, but for you folks who shoot us an email, send us where you're listening from nightly. Yeah, There's like one it. on here from, from Sam in Manitoba, Canada. Oh. Uh, and I love hearing from people all over the place. Uh, and not to discount our listeners here in the Southeast. Uh, great to have you all aboard here on the Braves Radio Network. But we got people all over the globe. So we'd love to hear where you're listening from and, um, and, uh, uh, you know how long you've been a Braves fan, things like that. Sure. So we will get this thing started off, um, and we can. This is related to the ball game today. This is from Paul. It says, "Why did Riley? Why was Riley put at first base when Freddie is out? Leave him at third and put someone else at first base. Who else can play first? And there are, as the roster is right now, really nobody else. We didn't have anybody. We, you and I talked about that, Jay Chad too. Though um, the only option was to put um, Adrianza at third and move mm-hmm. Riley over to first base. Uh, could one of the outfielders play over there? Yeah, I guess. I, th- I, I mean, Adam Duvall could probably play there. I don't know if Jock Peterson's ever played first base before, but um, that would be your only other option as I see it. Yeah, and Riley has done it, and you're probably in better shape with Riley there and Ada at third base than you would have had you put somebody else at first base that could have been a much more glaring hole yeah uh, to put someone with no experience at first base so uh, i think that was the biggest reason for that what's jumping out at you i got one that says now that this is from ron now that trey turner is out of the division who's the one guy in the nl east that seems to have the braves number well you just got one of them adam duvall yeah right (laughs) that's right that's a big addition Jay Chad, who you got? For me, at least this season, it's been Gene Segura. Yeah, no kidding. Feels like they can't get him out. Yeah, and I don't think anybody else can either. He's having a great year. Uh, for me, if you think about the Mets, there are some guys there that drive you crazy, and one of those guys is McNeil, who beat the Braves yeah. in that series up in New York. Uh, nothing like Trey Turner, but I, I, I like Gene Segura. For sure. Yeah. A, a guy that I think the Braves dodged a major bullet against this weekend is Juan Soto. Yeah. Uh, that guy has just done some – he's had some huge games against the Braves. And I said this on the air today. I feel like every single time he comes to the plate, it's a walk or a homer. Mm-hmm. So uh, to strike him out today the way that they did, that was a big strikeout. Uh, by Rodriguez in the ball game, got him on a fastball in the eighth inning, and now you don't have to worry about seeing him for uh, another week. Braves head up there, and I'm sure he'll be healthy by then, but it was nice not having him in the lineup. Well, at least he'll be healthy for the Mets. Yeah, exactly. What you got, JC? This question's from David, and we've got a couple scorebook questions, but David wants to know what you guys do with your scorecards. Are they in a book? And then he goes on to say they would make a great auction item or gift. Really? Huh. Well, mine's in a book, as Ben's are too, and I've got virtually every one of them 
since I've been here, mm-hmm. stacked somewhere. I hate to say that. That sounds like a pack rat, but I've got virtually every one of my score books over the last 30 years. That's cool. And uh, the only thing that I do is, I, I mean, it, it's weird to me kind of, is that I can pull one out of a, you know, out of the shelf and then just thumb through it and think, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my life. My good, yeah, my <laughs> yeah. good grief. Look at all the, look at all the writing in these books every day day by day um auction item i don't know about that maybe so maybe you know one man's trash you know that kind of thing <laughs> right. but, but uh that's what i do i wonder whatever happened to uh wonder skip or pete's around anywhere well you know pete collected everything yeah he had in his house uh, out in alpharetta he had shelves built to ho- house all of his sporting news. He never threw his sporting news away. Man. Let alone his scorebooks. Yeah. So, so I know they're around. They're I, there somewhere. I'm sure one of the boys has one has them somewhere. I've got all mine. Um, I got a shelf full of them. And this is going back to my minor league days. I've got them from A ball and, and double A. So they're there. And uh, I just like having the whole lineup of them and there to go and grab and look at whenever. Yeah, I was going to say, I keep score as well, and I have every single one of my score books. And David, um, appreciate your answer or, or your question, and they probably wouldn't make a good auction item or gift, but at the moment I'm not interested in getting rid of any of mine. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'll go back to uh, the guy I referenced a little while ago, uh, Sam from Manitoba. And uh, he says, here's my question. What Braves prospects are you most excited to see play? Also, who has been your favorite player to watch during the course of your broadcast careers? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. We appreciate it, Sam. You know, for, for prospects now, I, I can't wait to see Shea Langoliers next time we get down to Florida for spring training. He's having a really good season at AA Mississippi, behind the plate and at the plate. So I'm excited about that. And uh, most exciting players to watch during the course of our careers. I, I was glad to see the tail end of chipper and uh, but i think for my uh, now 11 seasons here it's been freddie i mean just to see him every single day day in day out how consistent he is and how impressive that is he'd be my answer yeah it's interesting to think about um when you've been one place for a long time uh, and i told this i said this to chipper one time that you know i've seen virtually every one of your at bats Mm -hmm. Uh, you know there were some days off where i didn't see him um but virtually every day of his career i was uh fortunate enough to watch him play and the same says same goes for freddie same goes for dansby and anybody else that got to the big leagues in atlanta Mm -hmm. for me prospects that i'm i I can't wait to see and i want to follow ben touched on langoliers he's an obvious one but another obvious one for me we saw him almost every day at spring training and that's michael harris me too and he's currently in Rome. And uh, guys that I've enjoyed watching, uh, I wasn't in the current role that I'm in, but saw Chipper a ton over the years, so he'd be right at the top. And you know, the other obvious ones, the other obvious one is Freddie. Here's one from Tanya: Why is the Home Depot tool race always the same? Well, you're telling me that's scripted. I can't answer that question, Tanya. I can tell you that Two Bit the Drill has a lead every day, and at some point it gets clotheslines, and they body slam him, and that seems like it's happened every day for about four years. My answer would be just very poor choreography. (laughs) 
Um, it's just the same. And everybody that I talk to, including you, Tanya, who you, I'm sure you represent a lot of people, tired of the same old thing. Knock him down and then somebody run and win. <laughs> Boy, that is, that's really inventive today. So who oh, wait, wins? Oh, wait, did we do that yesterday <laughs> or the day before? Yes. What about the sausage race in Milwaukee or the president's race in yeah. D.C.? It's they a get race. after it. It's a race. It's not choreographed. Come on now. You guys yeah. have opened my eyes. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pro <laughs> wrestling real, too. Yeah, right. Okay, Ben. I mean, I feel like we're usually covering a pitching change or, or whatever. I have no idea. I just hear the crowd roar, and i like, oh, somebody won tonight. Yeah, right. Oh, God. What you got, JC? That's a, that's a podcast in itself. <laughs> this question is for Joe. Do you like Ozzy Albies in the leadoff spot? And that's from Tucker. I do not, Tucker. I do not like him leading off, and uh, I tell you why. His uh, on-base percentage and his slugging percentage uh, leading off are not what they are batting down in the order. Uh, When he was first put in the third spot, I wondered if that was the right spot for him uh, because it might put pressure on him to think that he had to hit home runs. Well, he did. He hit homers, and he he flourished in that three spot. Uh, I'd rather see someone else in the leadoff spot. And uh, I think it would help help uh, Ozzy in that regard too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, once you get a little bit healthier here over the course of the next month, we'll see how they shake up the lineup. But uh, I think when you got Jock Peterson, you thought that you could use a matchup left on right and maybe use him up at the top mm-hmm. sometimes. But uh, ever since we've seen pretty much all Ozzy since that St. Louis series or the end of that St. Louis series, so I'd imagine they'll go back to switching guys back and forth. Maybe plug I, I get out, it. it out it's, of there. It's not. It's not like I lose sleep over it or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I just would prefer to see someone else there for Ozzy's sake. Yeah. All right. This is from Dorothy. Has a game ever went zero zero to overtime? <laughs> Um, there have been plenty of games that have gone zero zero to extra innings, including uh, Game One of the Wild Card Series last year against the Reds. That game was scoreless into the what fourteenth, and the Braves won one to nothing over the Reds in fourteen or thirteen yeah. or something uh-huh. like that. So yes, it, it has happened, and maybe you don't see it quite as often as you used to, Dorothy. With uh, maybe pitching matchups aren't what they used to be in terms of guys going all the way through and uh, dual complete games into the into extra frames, but. You do see it here and there. Yeah. yeah, And they're fun. And it's a fast game, typically. Yeah, that's a good point. This one's for Ben. It's from Zach. When did you settle on your signature, quote-unquote, and now for the ball game, (laughs) Uh, all that you say at the first pitch every night? I started doing that in the minor leagues. And the the reason I, I did that was I was listening to broadcasts sometimes, and I noticed that there was no line of demarcation between the guys bantering back and forth and the first pitch. And sometimes it's like the game would start, and I would think to myself, oh, wait, the game started. I had no idea. And I thought to myself, all right, I want my listeners to know that the, the game has started. Because if you think about it, if you're in the ballpark, uh, you're doing et cetera with your family. You're settling in. But when the first pitch is thrown, eyes to the field. You know when the first pitch is. Then you might go back to whatever it is that you're doing. And for me, I, I wanted to come up with something that drew a strong line of demarcation between everything that took place before the game and the game starting and making the start of the game an event. You know what? And I started I, doing that. I always thought it was because when you're a broadcaster in the minor leagues, like Ben was, you are a jack of all trades. You're doing everything. 
and having to get set up for the games by yourself. So I figured you were out in the parking lot (laughs) washing cars. Then you came in and set up the concession stand, came in and set up the radio booth. And then you said, and now for the ball game. Because everything else went, and now for sweeping the parking lot. And now for concessions. (laughs) We did all that. There there was a job that I had with Indie Ball where once the game ended, we had to throw on backpack blowers and blow out the stadium. They had, and this is no lie, they had a bus of inmates that came. And these were inmates who, I guess, had good behavior, and they would help us clean out the ballpark at the end of the game. I'll be darned. And then we went home after that. That sounds like a better job than the ice cream trough. Yeah, that was better than the the, the 50-foot chocolate sundae that they put up that we would do. That's another minor league uh, day that we used to have. This question's from Deborah. She wants to know if you guys think cereal is a soup. Why or why not? I say no. No, it's cereal. I think the consistency of milk makes it cereal. The consistency of soup is does not have yeah, milk. I, I wouldn't even go cream of wheat on that. No. No. I mean, I have to say no, and the reason I have to say no is because I eat cereal dry. Oh, do you? No milk. I do. No milk. No wonder you're <laughs> just such a curmudgeon. <laughs> True story. I've never had. I've never one time in my entire life put milk in my cereal. Do you enjoy milk otherwise? No, chocolate milk I like. All right. I don't. I've never heard of that. Me either. Well, wow. you have now. I'm gonna think differently. Does it even make it cereal if you don't use milk? Hmm. Sure it does. Okay. Maybe it's just a snack. It's just dry soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Joe? Oh, this is also for G. Chad. Uh, do umpires wear cups like the players? <laughs> I would say the home plate umpire most certainly does. The guys out on the basis, uh, I would say, I, I would venture. While well, I don't know the the answer to that, I would venture to say they do not. That's from Barry. I'm not sure why Barry would like to know that, but uh, just to know that they're safe and protected back yeah, there. Yeah, I think I think once you start wearing a protective device you feel somewhat naked without it. So I'm going to say, yeah, they're all wearing them. And if I were an umpire, yeah, I, I'd be grabbing every piece of equipment I could mm-hmm. get my hands on. Michelin man. Yes. All right. Whatever happened to the old big pads that they had, and they just kind of rest their head on top yeah, of it? Yeah, I don't know why they stopped doing that. You know, that was always an American League thing. The National League always had the inside vest protector, and then everybody universally went to the vest. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I always thought that was a good idea to hide behind that thing mm-hmm. anyway i would have yeah uh my question uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, go ahead wait a minute on that on that subject we had an american league umpire named jerry newdecker gosh he, he umpired for a hundred years and it just reminded me of him being behind that balloon chest protector and his call his third strike call was <laughs> he would never admit it but it sounded just like Instead of a strike, he would say, take the hike! <laughs> uh, that was great. Oh, man. And you didn't argue with him either. Yeah. Do you think that umpire calls used to be more unique than they are now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody's getting get into this little step back, you know, start the lawnmower thing. Yeah. I kind of miss Jim Joyce and the donkey. Yeah, right. Yeah, he had a very unique one. Yes, he did. I love the Dutch Renner. Oh. I mean, just every single strike. Yeah. I mean, screaming at the top of his lungs. Throughout the ballpark, you could hear yeah, it. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, do you guys use the monitors to judge what type of pitch was thrown and its location, or is that a skill you've all developed over the years after watching from up top? That's from Lance. That's a really good question. I think, um, I mean, obviously for games when the teams hit on the road and we were not traveling, you have to use the monitors for everything. But there will be 
times where I go back to the monitor for a replay of a location, I don't think I'm watching for the actual pitch. Usually you can look at the, the velocity reading in the ballpark, and that's what I'm using to decide what pitch was what. Sometimes you can tell what a pitch is with your naked eye from the booth. Other times you need to look at the velo and see the difference in a curveball and a slider being 75 or 86 on, on the velocity reading. Yeah, I think that's when I just go breaking ball, you know, whether yeah. it's curve or slider. But I think, yeah, who was the question from? Uh, that was from Lance. Lance, I think just over the years, you get a pretty good feel for what the pitch was, certainly the difference between a fastball and off-speed pitch. Uh, and then we might use the monitor for confirmation. And you probably heard me many times go, oh, no, that wasn't a slider, that was a curveball. Or that wasn't a fastball, that was a changeup. That's mm-hmm. more likely what I might have missed on and get confirmation from the monitor and not ashamed to say so. And I think with your guys, I mean, you can watch them and know. Right. you know like today max freed went and you know it's fastball curveball slider on occasional change up but he's pretty much one of those three pitches and after watching him over and over and over again you can tell the difference in the three pretty easily i think from our vantage point then you get some of your relievers who might throw two pitches i mean you might be sinker slider guy and uh you, you, i think just by watching that you can pretty much tell the difference but you definitely know by watching from your own guys this question is from B, and B would like to know, how do you know when to call the truest play of the game? Have you ever called a play the truest play of the game, and then later a better play was completed? All the time. Yes. Yes. Here, here's the, the thing with that one, B. That, that's a read. So it has to get in every single ball game, and that's something that truest is playing for. So what you don't want is to get to the eighth or ninth inning and all of a sudden you realize we haven't called a truest play of the game yet. Now you're relying on whatever happens and hoping something happens. So typically what we will do is the first chance there is a, a really good play made, we will do it so we can get it out of the way. So we, we guarantee we read that read and they get what they paid for rather than us waiting to the end of the game. Yeah, and we don't just pick on a ground ball to short you know, for an easy out. We actually, uh, if we see a real good play, then we go for it. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason for that. Uh, I'm thrilled. This is from Donna. I'm thrilled you guys are traveling again. The difference it makes in the broadcast is amazing. How well were you guys received by the team? Very good question, Donna. Pretty I'll, well. Yeah, I'd say. I'll start. I, I thought we were welcomed strongly by everybody. I mean, we first get on the plane, the charter, uh, the flight attendants, uh, couple of guys eddie perez was standing at the door of the plane and gave me a big hug Mm -hmm. freddie stood up gave me a big hug shook jonathan's hand so it it wasn't up and down universal that everybody's applauding us and giving us a parade down the aisle to the back of the plane but to be honest half the team doesn't know who the heck we are Mm -hmm. and we didn't don't know who they are without their uniform on we've never met these guys that are so new that came along before last season before the shortened season so this was the first opportunity to actually see these guys face to face yeah that went a long way so so freddie said something and so did snit or he said snit came back there to the back of the plane once we had taken off and he said this is great it's back to normalcy around here and i think that might be the the best thing is knowing that they see us we get to see them and they and it's another step towards feeling normal again like we did two years ago so i think it was definitely something that was well received by everyone yeah well yeah and i would say i don't think anything really changed it just resumed yeah it sure did nothing changed yeah uh this is from jeff what are some of the unwritten rules this is this got jc written all over it what are some of the unwritten rules of where you work 
I mean, there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> show up on time. Yeah. Um, make sure Joe's happy. <laughs> right at the top of the list, make sure Joe's happy. Make sure we have plenty of Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> plenty of water, because I kid you not, these Dasani water bottles that are 20 ounces... Uh, ben goes through about 14 of them a game, so I feel like half the day I'm just restocking the refrigerator for Ben. Yeah, and it's much appreciated. Stay pretty dry. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you got, Ben? Um, I think when it comes to pregame food, it needs to be, be in here at a certain time. Can't be waiting till 15 minutes for the first pitch. So that needs to be here at a certain time. Here's here's one. Here's a good one. I like, you know, we record our open every single day. When we come on the air, our first two segments, when Joe reads the lineups and, and the segment prior where uh, we welcome everybody to the broadcast, we record that before uh, it actually airs. Because if we don't, we would be stuck right in the middle of the anthem sometimes coming back from break, and we'd have to join midway through the anthem and just wouldn't sound all that good. So we record all that, and I think we all like to get in here, get our work done, and be clear of that. We like to record record that and have it done so when you get to 45 minutes to an hour prior to the first pitch we've checked off every box you have time to eat if you want hang out walk down the hall visit with somebody whatever it may be and i think that's kind of a a calm before the storm and i I feel like we get in here get our work done and have and we have the runway clear for 30 40 minutes prior to first pitch and i think that's probably my biggest one yeah and i think uh I'll, i'll go right along with that in that I hate to be late to anything, but I especially hate to be late in preparation and getting ready for the game and doing my scorebook the way I do it every day. I don't want to have to hurry. I like to take my time and make sure there's nothing that I haven't added to my book to remind me to talk about later in the game. So we all have our own pace and we all have our own way of doing things. We don't all do the scorebook the same way for, for sure. So uh, we like to do that and do it at our own pace without being interrupted a lot. And as long as we get here in plenty of time to do that and sit and do our business before we have to start recording, I think that makes all of us happy. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. This is um, this is from Ben. What question? Uh, he says, my question is, what are the odds the Braves have of going all the way and winning the World Series? Well, you got to win the division first, and that's that's not going to be easy. And that, that kind of takes us back to our first part of the show and talking about what the Braves have left in the final 50. Getting as close as I can to answering that, if you can get in, you brought this point up the other day, Joe, this becomes a dangerous team. Yes. It, it's not like they were in, in years past where you had a high expectation. This is a team with nothing to lose, I feel, at that point. I agree. I, I think they have um, – people were trying to bury them – Prior to the All-Star break, especially when Acuna got hurt, I think there were a lot of people, MLB Network, MLB Radio, and said, well, they talk about the Mets being in first place. Well, I think the Phillies are going to give them a run for their money. I don't think the Braves are going anywhere. That was kind of the consensus that I kept hearing. Mm -hmm. But uh, lo and behold, here they are. They are a better club than they were before the All-Star break, certainly. And they've got a a legitimate shot. So nobody's going to want to play Atlanta. If you're contending for a title, a division title, or the Wild 
wild card because what Atlanta has to play for now, you do not want any part of the Braves. Right. And this goes right into this next question from Kevin. If the Braves win the division, who deserves the most credit? I don't know that you put it on one place, but I think you start at the top. Alex made some good moves that helped the right. ball club. Yeah, that's right. Start. Those guys came in. They helped a lot. Uh, we've seen Freddie and Austin and, and Ozzy. They've all been extremely consistent all year. And, of course, adding those pieces to those guys has helped a ton. And I, I think what the pitching staff has done lately has been big. They've been going deeper in ball games, and the bullpen has been improved. So if you get there, there are lots of places that deserve lots of credit. I would give a ton of credit to Brian Snitker. You lose your one-hitter, your three-hitter, your four-hitter. You lose Mike Soroka. So many things went wrong this year. And for them to go through 100, 100-plus games and still be in the mix after everything that went wrong, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, J. Chad. That's exactly right. Lost Enoa, too. We saw him throwing in the bullpen today, so he's getting close. And what an addition. He'll be back for the ball club. We talked about Darno. Team will get Enoa back. They'll get Ian Anderson back. That's a that's a late August trade right there. Yeah, it is. That'd be a big addition. Got one you want to fire away with, JC? Yeah, this is from Mark. He says, I know our all-season priority is to get Freddie re-signed, but do you think Austin Riley has shown us enough to seriously warrant a discussion on getting his extension done before he goes to arbitration? I think I think, I think the Braves, Braves have been shy about that. They mm-hmm. proved that with uh, Ronald and with Ozzy. And if they feel like, and I'm not so sure they felt this way at the beginning of the season, that that was that Austin was going to be their third baseman of the future, they certainly can consider that now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, given his age and what he's done, he's 24 years old. Uh, I mean, he won't be 25 till opening day next year. Um, I mean, if you're giving me a guy who's going to be 30 and 90 every single year and play that brand of defense, yeah. I mean, sign me up. Yeah, I'm way in on that. Um, so I'd love to see him here for a long time, and be great to see uh, Freddie and 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 Austin here on the corners for several more years to come. That would be big, really big for this ball club. Uh, let's see. Hey guys, I uh, love the podcast. My question is: Out of all the Braves prospects that have come up before, during, and after the rebuild, which one disappointed you the most after not working out, and which prospect surprised you the most? That's from Hunter. That's a tough one to answer. Um, you know, I guess when it comes to prospects, it, it's so difficult to I – and mean, we can read all day long about them and we can, you know, I guess base some sort of expectation, but we never get to see these guys in the minor leagues. I, I think that as it stands right now, and this is by no means the end-all, be-all, I think we thought that Christian Pache, when he came up this year, could be everyday center fielder of the big leagues this year. Right. Not to say that he can't. I think that he can. But this is it's such a tough jump to make. And I look forward to seeing him round two when he gets another opportunity and what he can be. Um, but that's always tough. It's always tough to see a young man come up, struggle, and then have to go back down. But some of the best in the history of the game have come up and gone back down. So it doesn't mean that they're done by any means. No, it doesn't. And sometimes it's... Um <laughs> the expectations for a player like um, like Pache is that, well, he got to play in the NLCS. Mm-hmm. And he was under the gun. He played well. He didn't get a lot of hits, but he played well. And uh, so he should be, you know, game ready. Well, he is game ready for 
seven days, mm-hmm. 10 days, and then all of a sudden it turns into a month or six weeks where things aren't going the right way and you don't want to just destroy the guy. Right. So you do send him back to regain some confidence. He hadn't even played that much AAA, I don't right. think, last year before the playoffs when Duvall got hurt. So uh, I was disappointed for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had such high hopes for him that um, I was just disappointed things didn't work out better for him. Uh, Contreras is another guy. You know, I think he's going to be a terrific catcher for the Atlanta Braves in the years to come because he is going to be an offensive powerhouse, and he's really hitting well at Gwinnett. Uh, it just the timing was such it was a little bit early for him to be here and right. have to be under the gun after Darno got hurt. Throw another one in there just because of what you traded for him is Sean Newcomb, um, and, and there's still a spot that – I think Nuke could be used in the bullpen and be consistent, but we've seen up and down. I go back to the the day he came in to close against the Nationals, first road trip of the year. They had used Will maybe two, three days in a row. Nuke gets the ball for the ninth and blew everybody away with heaters. And I thought to myself, that's what you want him to be. So maybe it's not going to work out for him in the rotation. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But we, he's had so many opportunities in the rotation. Just seems like maybe now relief is the best spot for him. Well, when you say Nuke, then I immediately think of Kyle Wright. That's, yeah. that's where I went. Mm-hmm. And if there's been a disappointment for me, is that I, Kyle Wright's got such good stuff and he's got a great arm. Uh, I just want to get his thought process out of the way of him becoming a, a terrific big league pitcher because I think he has the tools. Um, he's just got to work on the, the mental side of it, in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, to erase some of what's already happened and get a fresh start and try again because I think he's – He's, a, he's got a terrific talent working. He just hasn't put it together. Those two guys are so easy to root for. Yeah. Uh, so much talent. And it just it just goes to show you how difficult it is to get here and consistently be good in the big leagues. No matter what position or what role you have, it's so challenging. I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not on the list. Um, but since we're kind of winding down here when this airs, um, Jonathan, tell me what you did on your off day. <laughs> I did some laundry. Uh-huh. I went to the dry cleaners. Okay. I went to Publix. Uh-huh. Uh, I cleaned the garage. Did you sweep it? I did, and then I got the blower out. Wow. Made sure. I watered the plants. Okay. Um, changed the sheets. Did you guys go to dinner or anything? I grilled out on the big green egg. That way. Did you recover from the financial hit of your birthday or your girlfriend's birthday the day before? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he was doing all that himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about you, Ben? What did you do on your uh, off day? Let's see. I went to dinner, uh, took Ashley to dinner. I know we're looking forward to doing that. And How was it? Oh, it was tremendous. Good. You know, I had the steak. Yeah. That oh, was amazing. <laughs> she looked incredible. You know, you should have seen her. I mean, just gorgeous. So <laughs> that was my off day that I'll have tomorrow. Yeah, good. Yeah, great. <laughs> Excellent. How Your was the beach, better by the way? better than mom. Yeah, a little, well, <laughs> you're having your big night tonight. You know, you get to take your gal to, to dinner for her birthday. How yeah. old is she, by the way? 29. Man, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> what was that? 
20. 20? Okay, yep. yeah. He says 29. Well, I hope that you guys have a, a great uh, evening this evening for a birthday. Tell Margaret and we all said happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you very much. You got it. Well, that'll wrap up this week's podcast. As always, thank you so much for being out there and tuning in. Whether we're on the podcast or whether we're calling the game or whoever it may be, we appreciate you being out there on the Braves Radio Network and also for from the Braves booth. Feel free to email us, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and perhaps we'll read your question next week on the next edition of From the Braves Booth. Till then, for Jay Chad, for Joe, I'm Ben, and you've been inside the Braves booth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.